This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where the Seahawks have beat the New York Jets 23-6 in their big week 17 game. Obviously, we're now in a weird world where the NFL season is 18 weeks long. And so Seattle will have to wait until next week to find out if they've made the playoffs or not. They're nine and eight. Unfortunately, results elsewhere went their way, but then didn't go their way. So what happened was the Green Bay Packers ended up winning very heavily against the fraudulent paper built Minnesota Vikings 41-17 the Packers now own the tiebreak over the um, Seattle Seahawks so that sucks did I say Seattle was 8-7 and seven? they're 8-8 eight, eight and eight. you said 9-8 nine, nine and eight, but they're 8-8 eight eight. they're not yet 9-8 they're, nine eight. they're hoping mm, to go to they're nine. going to be 9-8 yes now the big thing that did happen the positive was the commanders lost they're now done they went 7 8 and 1 they lost to the browns 24 to 10 and then in the very funny broncos situation they've actually played right but there was some shaky moments still and they lost 27 to 24 to the chiefs so they're 4 and 12 seattle still has a three overall pick so gentlemen seattle needs the packers to lose at home to the detroit lions next week and seattle needs to then beat the Los Angeles Rams. So, mm-hmm. how, how how are we feeling about that? Are you, are you optimistic? And and on top of that, the the Seahawks fans also want the uh, Chargers to beat the Broncos, right? Next week. Right, and that and would the, lock the... in at least the number three pick. I think they can also still get the number two pick, right? Yes, and the ten and six Chargers are playing for a playoff position. Baltimore, maybe t- uh, ten and five, but there will be seeding going on there. Um, Potentially, because Baltimore plays the Bengals, who are 11-4 in Week 18. So the Chargers have something to play for, which is good news. And, I mean, the Cardinals, it almost looked like they were going to beat the Falcons, but they didn't. I doubt they beat the 49ers, but anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the, the Vikings are frauds, like you Maybe said. they'll lose to the Bears next week. Possibly. No. That'd be nice. Yeah. 
That'd be nice. Position. That'd yeah. be nice if they did that. Yeah, get to number two instead of number three. Don't have to we worry have about Chicago taking one of the guys, and maybe you just have your chance of that mm. guy or your choice of that guy, rather. But yeah, Griff, have you lost faith? I just we we got a chance. No, not at all. We we can, they can win next week, mm-hmm. and the Packers playing the Lions. I mean, you can't ask for really for a more like. 50-50 kind of game. We're not asking for a prayer here like the Bears beating the Packers, right? The Lions are a formidable team. Yep. So and they're and they're fighting for the playoffs too. Yep. Good offense. So, you know, scrappy team. You know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so that's that boring mundane stuff, which is also very important dealt with. Seattle today played a weird sort of game where it looked like it was going to get weird in a, a Seahawky way in the fourth quarter where suddenly they hadn't put away the Jets. The offense had only scored three points in the second half. They only had a two-score lead. There was like a really weird almost pick thrown by Gino after like they tried to get a wide sale downfield shot popped and it wasn't open and he went for a check down and it was like right to a linebacker. I, I don't know how that wasn't picked. Like It looked picked, but it was short. Anyway, and then they had a weird thing where Gino, it slipped out of his hands after Walker hit him in a mesh point where it was like an RPO. And um, then it was a fumble, which luckily Seattle recovered. And it was also helped, of course, tie by how bad Mike White was. And so Seattle came up fine, even though, like, I mean, if you if you read their third down numbers, which Pete Carroll was disappointed by, 5 of 15, 33.3%, below that 50% mark they're looking for, not really good enough in their eyes. And in the red zone, two for five, 40% conversion rate, which just isn't good enough either. But Ty, Mike White, before he gets the offense, sucky. Dude, he sucks. Like, really sucks. Like, really, really, really sucks. Uh, and it's it's weird, too, right? Because, like, you hear the stories. You hear about, like, oh, yeah, he just put up, like, 25-plus with the Jets offense while this stuff against, you know, whoever. And it's like, okay, this feels like one of those games where maybe, you know, this dude just drops... 24 plus on the Seahawks heads. Uh, he was terrible. Uh, he he definitely helped the, uh, the Seahawks out quite a bit in this one. There were some dudes wide open on some third downs, just sailed the ball over their head. He's terrible. <laughs> like So uh, this was somewhat a, a byproduct of that, but uh, I don't want that to necessarily take away from a pretty good defensive performance overall for the uh, for Seattle's defense. Griff, what did you see? Yeah, uh, pretty much the same observations. Uh, only scored six points. So, you know, playing a horrible quarterback, you'd hope that, you know, you if you can hold them up to, to six points, then um, you you did your job um, for the most part. Um, and they even had some opportunities on the other end that they, the Seahawks didn't capitalize on, some uh, dropped interceptions, uh, things mm. of that nature. So, um, and it's not like the the supporting cast around the jets or, or around Mike white was, you know, nothing it's, they have a good receiving core. Um, they have decent protection. So it was nice to see everyone else win their matchups for the most part. Again, like you said, Ty with better quarterbacking, this, the, the jets probably put together at least one touchdown drive, um, maybe get into field goal range a couple more times, but you know, it's all, it's all relative statements. If you're facing a bad offense, you want to keep them, you know, bad statistically and 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 they did so they uh did their job on that on that note 
Yeah, uh, Quandre Diggs with an interception where, I mean, it did look like Abram was kind of beat and he, he if they do make the playoffs, is going to be the guy that teams will pick on in the matchup nature of the playoffs especially. Uh, it looked like he was beat, but Diggs made a great play that Seattle in cover one, gets over the top of it, intercepts, and then Mike Jackson with a pick where good way to overlap in a deep third, playing two up the seam, but the slot receiver up the seam, but Mike White must have said that one down pretty bad. Like Wilson, Garrett Wilson, who is an offensive rookie of the year candidate to your guys' point about, you know, the Jets having some weapons. Uh, but yeah, that was just a, a weird weird throw uh it was like completely off time but yeah two picks could have been more uh i'm trying to see who else got their hands on the football could have been like five right and um the jets also they only went four for 13 on third down 30.8 percent and it's rare in the nfl as pete carroll mentioned conji Diggs mentioned afterwards that you do have a game where you don't allow a touchdown like that's that's something to hang your hat on as is the takeaways but yeah they there were some misses from Mike White, uh, high or low, or <laughs> not on point. Where a better quarterback, despite pressure on his face, despite perhaps being contacted by a dude, makes mm-hmm. the throw because guys were getting open. Like, I think, yeah. uh, one of the other Lafleur, I think he called a pretty good game, and yeah, yeah. and, and there were and like some a pa- there were like a couple of wheel routes that like to Uzama that he like overshot, like that mm-hmm. he was they were mm-hmm. Uzama was just wide open. There's he was just awful today. Awful. Yeah, yeah. And so also uh, a slight concern was the the rushing attack of the Jets, which only ended up with 75 rushing yards. But in the first half, I believe that number was about 70, and they were kind of pounding away at it. Seattle was having serious difficulties stopping the the Jets' rushing attack. And um, Pete Carroll said that they made some uh, adjustments, like basic technical things. Now that could have been uh, like in, a, in an alignment thing up front, or it could have been they're busting some stuff. But it did seem like they just they tweaked the technique their nose tackle was playing with in the fir- first half to the second half. Although we'd have to watch the tape for that. But interesting that Seattle, uh, you know, the adjustments worked, I guess, and they they called in some nice fire zones in the second half, which kind of yeah. thought the Jets were getting. The- there, there, there was a lot of movement in the second half, and I think that was also in part a reaction to not having Brooks out there. They didn't feel mm. like they could just line up and play technique. They needed to throw action at the offense, um, and that seemed to work. That also seemed to like enliven the defensive line because they they weren't playing poorly in the first half, um, but they were just really firing off the ball and playing more aggressively w- with that. I think it just suits their their um, skill sets more. Maybe that's why last year. Ken Norton Jr. was such a heavy run blitzing team or like line movement team when he felt like he needed to be. It just even though, you know, a lot of those guys are big dudes, they they, they just seem to do better when they can um, make the uh, the first move. Uh, so, but yeah, also, like you said, I'm really, I really want to get into the tape when it becomes available because I want to know what those um, technique changes were, those scheme tweaks. Um up front or that Pete mentioned were, were, were technique um, tweaks because it did, it did seem like they were once again, shooting themselves in the foot, um, especially to start the game. And it, it's like the same players have defended the same concepts, you know, very well in the past, even this year. And it just seemed like they were kind of reverting back into other stuff. So I, I really want to see what, what, uh, 
what is there on tape with that. Yeah, and as pointed out in the comments by David Crockett, who's been a long-time uh, supporter of us, he says it's worth saying White was coming off broken ribs and wearing a flak jacket for the first time. Now, that is that sure. is valu valuable context, and he has had better games than this, but this this was not his game today. So big news with the defence as well, of course, is Jordan Brooks's injury. He was carted off with a knee injury. Pete, in his post-game presser, said uh, he was going to the hospital to get imaging on his knee, but Ty, that looked like a bad one. Yeah, uh, I was a little worried at first that it was his Achilles, uh, the way that he pulled up and then grabbed the, the back of his leg immediately. Uh, now comes the, the really important part here, now that we know that it's a knee, is it an ACL? Is it an MCL? Is it both? Is it uh, patella tendon? Because with usually with the uh, the ligaments, they're they're pretty good about fixing those up, and that could mean, you know, obviously this is kind of at the back of our minds. You know, ultimately we want Jordan to just you know be okay at the end of the day. But uh, you're looking at possibly he him being ready around training camp if it's just a ligament issue. But if it's a patella tendon issue. I mean, that could wipe out most of, if not the entirety of his 2023-2024 uh, season as well because we just we don't know what those things. Those things are so difficult to return from. We've seen with Will Disley. We've seen with Trey Brown. We saw how long it took for Trey Brown to, to come back uh, this year, and his, uh, his injury was in you know November of 2021. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's really sucks, and, and we've talked, you know, time and time again, uh, particularly, you know, in the buildup to the season about the lack of depth that they had at linebacker. So losing Brooks, I mean, that's that's worst case scenario. Um, so, you know, Cody Barton had a pretty nice game today. Tanner Muse had a pretty nice game, I, I think, seemed to at least. Uh, and, and, you know, um, and so, um, you know, but the 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 magnitude of this loss is, is probably going to be really, really felt at, at some point here. And so it's uh, it's awful. Yeah, Cody Barton did have a great game, but the difference between him and Brooks, aside from yeah. you know other things, is the explosive ability. Brooks is a whole different level of athlete, and yeah. obviously a very talented linebacker in his own right too. Along with that, so yeah, big loss, and yeah, you don't know how because it's late in the season when he'll come back. And inside linebacker, which looked like a minor need, where you maybe had hoped they'd address it in the past draft for like a bit of depth to push Barton now. That could suddenly become a massive, massive need because you. I yeah. mean, it helps in the NFL if you have someone who can run. Seattle in the past has shown how much they value that position. You might, you might even get Jamal Adams playing actually in a in a linebacker spot. Yeah. And, uh, that it, you know, as a as a solution, we'll we'll see. But that, uh, yeah, that sucks. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, the for what it's worth, and I don't know how much it is worth, but the Twitter doctor experts they were all saying that it looked like an ACL injury. So, the the other injury news is that Tyler Lockett, who played through a hand, uh, the hand injury, which is remarkable, comes back after a week. He has uh, ten pins in his hand. Sounds awful, but he had yeah. uh, was targeted two times, caught both passes for fifteen yards at seven point five yards average, with a long of eight yards. He then left the game, and you probably thought, "Oh, that will be his hand. He can't play through it." And no, it was a lower leg injury. So then suddenly you get very frightened and you're like, oh no, not, not Tyler out. This could be a real bad end to the season for Seattle. But he did then come back into the game. He was on the sideline with his helmet and then they held him out towards the end. So he could have played if they needed him to. 
I'm sure he'll be managed throughout this week and he'll be able to play week 18. He's obviously banged up like a lot of these guys are right now, but he's going through it. So, yeah, hope, hopefully that's all good. And so the offense, Griff, actually was more tight end dominated or, you know, and Metcalf, one catch for, for three yards after five targets in his marquee matchup with Source yeah. Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't um those uh those matchups didn't go great. He did have the one uh well he dropped it, but he won on the route. He just couldn't quite bottle it in. Um perfect ball too, really, really disappointing. Um yeah, it was a it was a tight end uh, oriented game. I thought, you know, because because they didn't have Tyler at hundred percent, there was a lot of quick game where they went into the drop back game. Uh, but they were sharp there. The 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 completions to um Mabry and Colby Parkinson just, you know, uh, just boom, get the ball out of your hand type stuff, like really one read, two read stuff. They were sharp there. That was good. A lot of those uh, plays kept the kept drives going. Um, the play action concepts, though, those didn't really seem to pop. And I suspect that's because the Jets just covered the crap out of them. Um, all in all, though, I thought Gino played really well this game. Um, I don't think there was only one throw where I thought he put the ball in harm's way that was on that. He was trying to get out of that sack on that, again, on that one play action. Um, it was like a busted protection. Um, I think in drop back though, the, the offensive line did okay. Not great. They, I think stone Forsyth did just okay. I don't think he was horrible, but he wasn't as good as, as Lucas's best that we've seen. Granted, it's only one start from Forsyth. Um, all in all, I think Gino was, like his velocity, like the velocity concerns we had in the 49ers game and like that Panthers game that seemed to evaporate. Like he was, everything was f flying off his hand this game. Um, so that was good. And he, none of that, like the term we've used, like where Gino gets frustrated. It seems like he's pressing, trying to make something happen that isn't there. I didn't feel that this game, that all of his, like even his tight window throws were like good process. Like it's, there's an option. There's an, you know, a possibility there. Um, not not all of them, you know. Yeah, the broadcast was so weird about that, Griff. Like, they yeah, were like, whoa, it's like they've never they, seen an NFL throw before. Right. I mean, that, that's a that's a routine hard throw. It's but it's still routine. Like that one. So the one to the um, to DK on that slant. He, all, the only way you would call that consider that a pick, provided you don't underthrow it, is if you beat the safety or not. And you beat the safety. So like, in terms of an interception. Plus the corner can make a one-handed diving interception. That's not a pickable throw. Um, it was a great play by the corner to bat it down, but but still, you know, it was on target. He just made a play. Um, but yeah, so other than that, I think you know the we have the the couple of drops to K Johnson, DK's drop on the sideline, and then not having Lockett kind of explains uh, the the statistical day of which was not bad. It was average, an average statistical yeah. day. Um, but more excitingly, though, was the run blocking, right? Yeah, and against a really talented defense like this, too. I, this was pretty surprising for me they, that they found uh, this kind of success. And I mean, a big part of that is, you know, the huge run to start the game. Was it 60 yards uh, down into the red zone? Um, right. And that, you know, so, yeah, 133 yards on the day for, for Ken Walker. And, you know, DJ Dallas had some quality runs as well. That's that's a really nice day. And especially when you lose one of your best run, run blockers in Will Disley this past week for you to respond that way also uh 
you know, we should mention real quick, congratulations to Tyler Mabry on his first career NFL catch and NFL touchdown. That was a yeah, really cool. cool moment for him. He's been hanging around on the practice squad for the last couple of years, just been grinding and finally uh, got his chance today and got himself a touchdown. That was awesome. Um, that was a tight window throw. Like, yeah. That was nice and really good play design from Waldron. Like, well, it's the type of thing that if it doesn't work, you're like, oh, that's a bit cute. That was too cute. But they came out in 13 personnel with Dariq Young as their receiver, which obviously for them is a very run-heavy look. And then they motioned or shifted into like that two-receiver look to the boundary, the short side of the field, and they throw in the little stick route to Mavery. Really nice stuff, like kind of exploiting their own tendencies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, we, we, we talked about it. We didn't see a lot of it, but we talked about how pure dropback from under center might have been a fixture this game. And granted, we only saw it like two times. But the one time yeah, what, that I remember, it worked, you know. Go on, Griff. Pat yourself on the back. Yep. yep well done, did. We're good. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> right. So. Should have done more of it, though. No. Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, but, you know, it was nice as, with the run game and the fact that they did under center and they didn't do what they do against the 49ers where they panic. There were some weird drives in there where they're I mean, the fact that their shots downfield didn't work kind of killed those drives, right? Like, and sometimes it seemed like they didn't have a check down. Again, big game to watch the film yeah. and see actually what was going on. But 189, 198, sorry, rushing yards for uh, uh, 38 carries, 5.2 average. And I think two of those would have been a quarterback sneak, which gets the average down a bit. But I mean, that's just, you can't complain about that against the kind of the same style of defense as what the 49ers run with those right. wide nines and the fact that they're using you know, pair tight ends to exploit the width of that defense and run on them, like on that 60-yard run to open the game. That's really, right. really encouraging. And Stone Forsyth, Pete Carroll praised him after the game. I think he was fine. Uh, again, need to watch the tape, but nice that he slotted him with Abraham Lucas inactive. You, you might have imagined that he'd have struggled. I think Gabe Jackson had an up-and-down game, but we have to yeah. have to watch the tape. But he's, he's still struggling, I think. And Quinn and Williams isn't an easy matchup. Don't get that twisted either. And, uh, yeah, interesting that Jake Curhan sort of lost out to Stone Forsyth in the right tackle job. I know Forsyth is no longer a rookie, so maybe they're just thinking, okay, we're okay to try him at another spot, even though, you know, he had a background at right tackle. He had some reps logged there in the preseason this time round. But still interesting that Forsyth beat out Curhan. He's obviously more athletic. He's got longer arms. He's probably the higher upside guy, but... Cohen did have a promising stretch down the back end of 2021, particularly as a run blocker when the run game was basically dominant anyway. So talking about the offensive line, the D-line kind of came alive in this game. Now, we were asked actually on Twitter, Griff, you didn't reply, which is really rude of you, but I did. I might have missed uh, it. Yeah, yeah. You missed it or you ignored it? <laughs> Okay. Uh, the D-line came alive. Quinton Jefferson had one and a half sacks. Darrell Taylor had two and a half sacks. I I don't know what the pressure numbers are, but I imagine they'll be quite high. Griff, why is suddenly Darrell Taylor playing well? Uh, well, it's more it's more favorable down in distances, some more passing situations where he can just fly off the ball. And really, he's shown this explosiveness ever since that first Cardinals game. So I think athletically... I mean, at least in get off and like speed and stuff, 
Um, I think he's the same guy he was last year at this point. It's just the rest has been circumstantial. And then when you're not playing on first and 10, because it's a, a run situation or a mixed situation, you, I mean, those those are still passing opportunities that you will get on first down that he's not out there for. So, um, and I mean, his run defense did regress this year. He was he was an average run defender last year. He was fine. But so this is just a case of better run defense, putting him in better passing situations. Um, and, and just, you know, more second alongs, more uh, more third and longs. Um, and, uh, and and we get to see him uh, uh, reap the benefits of that. So I really think it's as simple as that. So I think long term, he's probably just a depth edge, but a really good one that you, you know, that you bring off off the bench, just like you did with uh, Cliff Averill in 2013. He was not a base player. He was a third down player, passing situation player, and he had. 500 snaps so if they if they get their act together next year on run defense there's still hundreds of snaps for taylor to play um to really get after it so i mean he's on i mean his pressure rate this year is not as high as it was last year but he did exceed his sacks sack total already i think he's got eight now um so yeah so that's good stuff ty do you do you think i i don't know well do you do you think Taylor should play more? Like, it's a, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's still really weird, right? Because, like, I, I, I don't want to get hurt, <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm trying yeah. to buy in here, but I, I don't want to get hurt because, like, I don't know. I feel like there's been times where, like, he's he's shown some flashes, like uh, the, the Chargers game, and then just kind of disappeared again. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully this is a sign of good things. Um, he's looked he he looked you know pretty pretty dang good today uh when i was watching him so i mean you know that would that would be huge if he's finally uh kind of gotten back on the horse here and you know at the very least if you know whether that or not they play beyond next week to at least finish the season off on a on a good note for him and you know build some confidence back up heading into uh into next year yeah clint hurt did say that things are starting to clip for him a bit in the system but yeah he is still a pass rush specialist he just like griff said he's had more opportunities better opportunities and i think this week like you know lumenfield was loud but like mike white ain't really the type of quarterback to draw you off sides i imagine the jets's cadence was pretty and silent camp was pretty easy to work out and so he can get the jump what what happens yeah. against the better quarterbacks i think is you know then they'll, they'll mix it up if you jump off sides then you don't play the same aggression griff yeah, I was just gonna say he he didn't just win with like speed reps, um, speed rips either. He had a couple of uh, like getting into half man and, and mm. bending through contact, you know, with a, a knockdown move. So that, that was good to see. It was kind of, and he showed a lot of that, especially the last month of last year too. So I don't know, like, is part of it him just kind of figuring him, himself out, and he just needs to stack reps to you know figure out his own rush plan. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it was good to see some of those reps pop too. Because if he if he does become proficient at that, theoretically, I mean, he should be he should be better than Frank Clark as an edge rusher, for example, um, to compare and contrast. Because that was something Clark completely lacked the ability to like corner with technique. He was all speed or speed to power. So yeah, and Pete was saying how well interesting you bring up Frank Clark, Griff, because. Quinton Jefferson post game, he said that um, the Taylor's get off reminds him of Frankie. Yeah. And Pete said how 
Taylor is like everything is setting up off his speed rush. And then the counters come off that and how Taylor kind of got into his counters. So you, you clearly know your stuff, Griff. Now, Taylor on the season is, I think he's got seven and a half sacks, which is nuts. Like this season? What, yeah. For I what? thought he, I thought he had, wait, how many did he have last year? He had 2.5 sacks today and pro football reference okay. has him down for seven and a half now. Okay. Yeah. Seven and a half. Yeah. Which is, which is wild. Um, in that's what crazy. you say is down year. And so you look back on it I mean, sacks get people paid and that's only playing. Right. Like if you read out his snap counts, it's only playing like, you know, hovering around the 30% number in give or take. So <laughs> that's one heck of right. a pass rush specialist. It's just, you'd like there to be a more, impactful early down outside linebacker who you can trust to set an edge but also give you more pass rush than say Bruce Irvin has speaking yeah, of well, let's outside... just be... mm. and I mean like let's just be straight up about it there just needs to be more consistency right mm. like this is like yeah he's when you look back on it it's going to look like he produced but he produced kind of just in chunks and little bunches here and there you know yeah. right need need more consistent performance throughout the, the course of the season so but yeah that's true, uh, you know, also a sort of surprising sack total. Quinton Jefferson has five sacks in the season. He's a guy who always does well in the pressure percentage numbers. And again, it's that thing of if you give him the opportunities, then he will get you some some sacks and some interior yeah. work. Um, Je- Jefferson has, like, I think he's top 15 in pressure rate among interior defenders. And Harris is, like, right there with him. I mean, the- these guys have been getting pressure. It's just that they- they- I think there's some stat floating around there like seattle has top five shortest yards to gain on third down um and i'm sure by extension on second down it's rough too and like that's that's you know related to 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 run defense so you know run defense matters in that it matters for a lot of reasons but having atrocious run defense the run matters at that point so and and here i i've got some numbers for us oh since hang on, we, hang on. I thought I was okay. the stats boy. Well, let me. You uh, stat boy today. Let me. Uh, let me just give you a breather, okay? Oh, um, thanks. That's much needed. So, since week six, which we used that that line of demarcation because there was the starting lineup settled right, and um, and the scheme tweaks right, and they've played around the last month with the scheme for different, probably injury related. Um, and and just trying to recover a little bit, so it's not that clean, but still from that window. Seahawks defense is ninth in total EPA per play uh, from week six on till today, fourth in success rate. And then there's seventh in dropback EPA per, per dropback per pass. And then fourth in success rate versus the pass. But then this is the this is where it gets really bad. They're 26, 26th in rushing EPA, but ninth in success rate. So what that tells us is, is that explosive runs are just killing them. If they could just bottle down the explosive runs, like instead of a 50-yarder or a 40-yarder or a 30-yarder, make that one a 10-yarder, mm. they're probably they're probably a firmly, I mean, they're they're probably um like 10 and what are they? Probably a 10-win team right now, you know, 11-win team if they just cap explosive runs. So um yeah, it's um unfortunate. But it kind is that, of dem- so that includes today? You have up to date EPA, or is that not including yeah, today? Yeah, that includes today. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You got you got a good EPA person, huh? Mm. Yeah, I I do. Speedy. 
Who's your plug? But um, uh, uh, <laughs> rbspm.com. All right. Um, Very good. Right. But yeah, so like if, if they just, and I, again, like I feel like at the core of it is a coaching like identity issue with mm. what they're trying to be schematically. If they just, you know, nailed that down more, they'd be in a lot better shape right now. But yeah. So a lot of people seem to be surprised about Cody Barton's level of play, Griffin. Now, that is slightly unusual to me because I actually think he's had a really good season. Okay, mm. he's not going to have the same kind of power. Again, when we talk about Brooks and him being a different level of athlete, he can also hit harder than Cody. But Cody's had a solid season throughout the year. I think the reason people perhaps notice his level of play being good now is there's more consistency up front. Obviously, they had some shaky moments early in this game, but then they adjusted. And then, lo and behold, your linebacker, rather than having to go and take a block on, he's not getting blocks. He's leveraging the block to the defensive help. Rather than going to do that to a def- uh, an offensive lineman, he's actually able to make the tackle or he's able to play faster because they're, they're blitzed on the screen, but his job is to, to uh, contain on the screen. He gets out there. That was a heck of a play on that screenplay. Like he took out three offensive linemen, I think, <laughs> maybe just two, but that was that was really special. And Quinton Jefferson cleaned up, so yeah, good for Cody. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, there was also that that one play on that dropped interception. I think Woolens or is it Abrams dropped interception? Mm. Um, Cody was C- Cody. Cody was pushing to the um, I think under that sail, and he condensed the window pretty well too. So yeah, I mean he's been good in coverage pretty much the whole year and when he's assignment correct in the run game he doesn't really have an issue with contact it's just when he's not reading the play out right and that's been a problem that's been a more and more infrequent problem um and in some games not been a problem at all like he's so yeah but yeah uh and the other guy who on the defense who i think deserves a special mention is Uchenna Nwosu because I mean, in the box score, it's one of those where it probably doesn't pop too much. Just three, uh, two tackles, uh, one TFL, I guess. That's kind of splashy. That TFL, though, Ty, where he, he's like playing in a spinner position, he dips past the centre, gets a tackle for loss. And there are some other plays as well, maybe on the fire zone with a tackle for loss. But, you know, he's in the backfield, he's a menace, yeah. and get getting played in like a spinner role like they used to do with the old Leo positioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was big time in the in the run game today. Uh, I thought he had a really nice game today. Um, dude, getting Al Woods back was awesome. And he had a big stuff earlier on in this game. Like, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal. Like, it was just, it was nice to see this, this, this front four. Uh, I mean, obviously the front seven in general, but this front four in particular actually get some wins consistently, especially in that second half. Cause they had like a couple of big runs that they, they, they allowed. But, uh, yeah, the second half yeah. they they just they just locked that thing up. It's awesome. Yep. Oh yeah, Nawosu did recover a fumble at the end of half, as Jen's pointed out in the chat. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Mike White's weird fumble. <laughs> wow, he he was he was shaky. Uh, yeah, and Griff, you wanted to praise Miles Adams because he's pass rushing, and now they're playing him at five tech and three tip rather than last him playing nose tackle. He's actually working his strengths a bit more along with playing in passing down situations. Yeah, I mean he's. He's a high density, like squatty, explosive guy with plays with great leverage, pad level. 
And he had two back-to-back reps in that final drive where he had one bull rush where he just destroys the right guard, like throw, like throws him all the way into the quarterback's lap. And then the very next play, he feigns a speed rush and then spins back in. And it's like very few guys can do that from three technique and actually look like they meant to do it on purpose. Um, so yeah, he's um he's and then he made plays in the run game. So yeah, when he's playing three technique and he's not asked to kind of two gap or or pseudo two gap. Um, can kind of play on on angles on outside or inside shades on guys. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's I think he's a good player. I think he'll be a you know 300 400 snap getter next year, and he'll be like the fourth the fourth defensive tackle in the rotation, especially depending on what what happens with Monet. He probably will be out for all of next year. So, um, yeah, he's a really good depth piece, and I hope they keep giving him more pass rush reps. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we've only got one game potentially left to see. Yeah, but I hope they really let him get after it because I think there's something there with him. It's funny though because we said this last year. <laughs> we said very similar we stuff did. last year. But it is all we about did. stacking reps and consistency and learning, right? And trust. And, and then also this year though, I mean the the Shelby Harris trade and the Quentin Jefferson signing. It makes sense that he didn't um, see as many reps. He probably would have seen more reps if they were a consistently a three four team instead of the two four stuff because that's one less 300 pounder that they need on the field right so if they had three 300 pounders on it we definitely would have seen more of them but yeah and on the point of being a 3-4 team i don't know if i just didn't pay attention properly last week because it was the holiday period but seems like this is the first week we saw nickel bear but big nickel so one inside linebacker three safeties out there and no kobe bryant and then bare front, but I don't know if right. I imagine that. No, I, I thought I saw um, the same thing. Yep. Which like putting table and Abram and Diggs out there, like table and Abram, are, they weren't in your plans at the start of the season. So that's kind of interesting that they're right. They, they felt the need to do that, and I guess it's just about having enough variation and complexity to deal with. Like that was a heavy kind of like eleven personnel under center game plan and twelve from the Jets, and they're worried about stopping the run. So. Nice that they're not just relying on the 2-4 deal and getting gashed right. by that, I guess. Right, right. So I guess we should probably... It's hard to explore the offensive struggles in the second half and not scoring. And also the game state was a bit weird because the Jets were not doing anything. But like, how... I, Ty, are you concerned about the offense given that you know, they did only score, what was it, three points in the second half, and they did have the ball in great positions, and they didn't convert down in the red zone. And Lockett has two catches, which, you know, he's, he's banged up. He leaves the game and comes back in. Metcalf mm-hmm. has five targets for one reception, but the main target getter is Colby Parkinson, the tight end, seven targets, five receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, like, are you, are you worried about this team, or is it just like a funky, weird game? Uh, just going off of this game, I don't know. They were able to move the ball fairly well. I thought, and you know, obviously the the run game success is something to hang your hat on. Um, the red zone struggles though are a little bit concerning to me, and just the overall, you know, lack of weapons, lack of options um, because of injuries. You know, now you've lost Marquise Goodwin for the whole year. That that happened, um, you know, in between our last recording and now um 
you know, Tyler dealing with what he's dealing with. And then, you know, if you're only, you know, real healthy, um, legitimate receiver is DK Metcalf, who has, you know, admittedly a, a limited route tree. Like you're going to run into some issues if everyone else is, you know, kind of playing at their 60th, 70th percentile. So, um, yeah, that, that, that part's a little, little concerning. Um, they ended up scoring six points in the second half. Oh, uh, got like a late, a late, uh, late I'm not very good stats game. boy. Am I? Not, not, yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. We all, to... we all, we all have our off day. Maybe, maybe Griff. Yeah. You might need to offload that to someone else. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is a lot of pressure on me, you know, I have yeah, some stats true. like, sure. yeah. And Maddie, like not to be mean, but you're kind of crumbling under that pressure. So like, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. We'll, we'll, you know what? We'll talk about it off air. We don't we're going to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to reevaluate when, when we have our pre off season meeting, we're going to have to reevaluate. But yeah, let's circle back to this. Circle back, you know, uh, another term that we could use to say that U turn. Let's U-turn. let's U turn. Yep. Let's U turn everyone uh, uh-huh. back to this uh, to this offense. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think we saw some pretty good things out of this team. I'd say uh, against a a defense that has the talent and the scheme that can give them some issues. And so you know, ultimately, I thought we saw some good stuff, and and they made do with pretty much you know whatever they had left. You know, again, DK was non-existent for the most part this year or this this game uh block it you know missed a good portion of this game with the hip thing and only had two catches for 15 yards and they still made it work they still were able to find the end zone twice in the first half and you know um yeah. and they were still able you know to move the ball pretty well in the second half they just weren't able to finish drives off so. yeah i i mean we can we can just use you know re- relativism to 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 try to gauge how they did they didn't have mm-hmm. I mean, DK didn't have a great game, and Lockett was a non-factor for injury-related reasons. And they played a really good defense, and their statistical like output was better than what the Jets have been giving up this year. So, just from that perspective, um, you know, they they probably exceeded, you know, uh, expectations. So, um, I think that's yeah, that, that's a good thing. So you're um, not firing Shane Waldron, Griff, given you have that power. Uh, if no, I wouldn't. Because also the the fact that they they got they got the run game going, they clearly found their chemistry there, and and they ran well on a good front. That that's mm. that's a good sign too. So, and I'm not you know the yeah. yeah I, I, beyond that, I just want to see the tape and see why things weren't opening opening up downfield off of the play actions. The the pure drop back game. That's just they didn't have the receivers, and they went up against the top five secondary. So yeah, it's interesting. K Johnson coming in and like you know gina sort of coaching him up on like okay against this we need you sort of in this spot not here and that sort of thing right. but uh yeah it felt like every time they called a, a shot playoff play action it was a negative play or an incompletion which kind of then ended up killing a drive mm-hmm. but it, obviously they don't want to get into the inefficient run territory but like i don't know it felt like the run game they could have even done more of it but yeah, there are diminishing returns, and they wanted to try and stay balanced, right? Balanced in the other way, in in the running and the constraint play. But yeah, bottled up down the field, and like there was the play where that drive where Gino took a sack, where he he was it looked like he was looking at Metcalf's skinny post down the field, and he, mm-hmm. he should have just slid up in the pocket slightly, crosses uh beat in a in like well not necessarily beat, but he's rushed around the arc, and if Gino steps up, maybe he can work with it, but like. The I mean the broadcast barely showed 
they started showing the downfield stuff when it was the game was over and it was Seattle's defense. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'd rather seen why, you know, why, where was the breakdown right. of DK on source? Where was the right. like little cut up of what was actually going on? Uh, and then, of course, uh, yeah, the, the two DK opportunities were that the end zone one where Gino sees that they're in one high. Uh, but then he or man coverage from uh, Ken Walker was out wide, so it told Gino he had man, and uh, the safety actually started creeping over the top of DK, so he's basically double covered with press man against Source, and they throw it back shoulder, almost caught, a bit hot from Gino, tiny bit hot. Uh, DK still got his hands to it though, so you know he he probably back himself to make that catch, but just off, and obviously Gino's trying to get it away from the safety over the top, and then the other one was. The the they he again he's beautiful throw Griff where he throws it down the sideline. It was a bit like the catch from last week against the Chiefs where it's perfectly weighted, like the DB's in good coverage, right. but it's just outstretched and DK sort of alligator armed it. He he didn't keep his hands tight. He tried to one hand it and then clasp it to his body and it came loose. Right, agreed. Yeah. So. I don't know what I don't know what else we've got to cover. Jason Myers missed a field goal. Ty, you worried about the Pro Bowl kicker? Yeah, it's over. <laughs> Jmy, he had a good it's, run. It's over. It's over for you, Jmy. Nah, wouldn't, nah. Wouldn't that spice he, things up if every time a kicker missed, they had to be cut? It was just like rule. It was like that's in the new CBA. Lawless, lawless. <laughs> like kickers have no rights. They're just done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he got back on the horse, you know, with a late game field goal, you know, extended the lead to 23-6. So Mm -hmm. he's back. We're back. We're back. Really good uh, swing of his leg on that one. Yeah. The return of of J-Mai, you know, yeah. Good snap, good hold, you know, laces out, of course. Mm. Um, Michael Dixon had a punt down at the something, something one. At the one. At the one. Yeah. Yeah. Derek Young stopped it. Uh, yeah, then, uh also uh, had a couple of good reps at a uh, fullback today. A couple uh, had a couple of nice blocks. This did actually game. feel like like I mean, I've already mentioned how they played up with the tendencies for that touchdown pass to Mabry, but like there was mm. other like looks. I think they're more comfortable with the personnel they had out on the field, even though it's like you know Lockett's playing limited and they don't have Marquise Goodwin out there. I think they sort of they knew what personnel they're going to have. They knew what looks they'd shown within the past. They came out with the same looks, but then ran different plays and kind of exploited that and, and mixed it up a bit, which was nice. Um, like both sides of the ball, they need to win, and they're coaching like they need to win. They're trying a lot of things, so mm-hmm. be reassured by that, I guess. And I, you know, it would be very Seahawky or maybe Pete Carrolly if Sean McVay managed to best him next week, and it didn't matter if Green Bay lost or won. But you have to say, like, what head coach in the league would you rather have than Dan Campbell in a game that you know that the team that you, know, you need <laughs> yeah. them to win? Well, Dan Campbell's going to try and win that game. Yeah, the Lions he's maybe... going to do everything he can. And if they do play at the same time, the Lions will be playing with the hope that Seattle bottles it against McVeigh and that they get in. So at least there's something to play for. You couldn't right. ask for more from a Seattle perspective other than, you know, maybe you just win one more game, like one game against the NFC South. But anyway, that is right. done. The Packers better say goodbye to their kneecaps. Over for <laughs> yes, all of you. They're going to be bitten. Yeah, that's right. Lovely. That's right. Jared Goff, 450 mm-hmm. yards passing. 
six touchdowns. Jared Goff is going to have the Matt Flynn game. Oh, and then Detroit locks him into a multi-year deal. (laughs) Yes. And he's got the new Kirk contract. Yes. Yes. Or the old Goff contract. Exactly. And then the Seahawks go to Minnesota and beat the fraud Vikings. Mm. After the... After the Vikings, Vikings lose, after the Vikings lose to Chicago, and give the Seahawks the second overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. But how how did the Seahawks go to the Vikings then, Ty? The 49ers also lose, and the Eagles lose to the Giants. That's right. That's right. Well, oh. the Seahawks, if the Seahawks were the seven. They would go to the two. So Vikings just have to get however the Vikings would be the two seed. You're right, you're right. While also losing to Chicago. Wow. You've, is you've that done possible? Your research. Let's do that. Yeah, that's let's possible. That, that would be let's, a dream. Let's, and you let's, know let's what? make that happen. Twenty twenty three is a year for dreaming. That's right. That's yeah. very sweet. That's right. Maddie. I agree. That's right, Maddie. Yeah. Absolutely. That was touching. Now that now was now Griff. Now Griff, before we head out of here. 2023 sure. do we have any 2023 jokes well before that please like the video oh yeah we've had a lot of people subscribe to the channel comments uh if you're listening five star reviews follow the twitter at seattle overload follow ty at dane gunzelers follow griffin at c mike spin move follow me at matty f brown we appreciate you here is the man himself mm. mr c mike spin move a comedic <laughs> legend <laughs> Notorious I, uh, worldwide. I, I came up with so many of them. I'm trying to choose which ones to to, to use for, for this segment. Well, don't make onto the pressure. Um, um, shout out to oh, my no. wife, Caroline, and totally not my burner in the chat telling me how <laughs> smart I am. Thank you. Oh, that's Love nice. you. Love you. Uh, Thank you for the reinforcement. Uh, what was... No, that's not good. Disgusting support. Mm-hmm. What is a New Year's resolution? something that goes in one year and out the other that's rubbish no that was good no that's that was rubbish. good i, li- no, I, li- I like that i like that i like that all by myself yeah yeah, yeah. That's I, bloody see, awful. I, I see where you were going with that i see where you were going with that yeah did you make a new year's resolution my new year's resolution was to get maddie off of being the stats boy for the new year new oh friend. you're coming yeah. for me Coming yeah, yeah. for the title. Always, always compete. Always you know, compete, I'm big on titles. Like it was very important to me to be the stats boy. But we'll talk about it off air. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. keep that in pre pre off season review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. I guess we're done. <laughs> Goodbye, yeah, guys. That's, that's it for us. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Peace, Happy Peace everyone. Goodbye. Keep the faith. <laughs>